0: Please rise for today's scripture reading from 2 Corinthians 4, chapter chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, Knowing that he who has raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people it may increase Thanksgiving to the glory of God so we do, so do not lose heart though our though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentarily Momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not into things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is God's word.
1: Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence here with us. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to sit at your feet and listen from you, Lord Jesus. Open our hearts and our minds to to the message you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. As many of you know, I'm a Catskin tech in Framingham. Throughout the years, I've had the opportunity to comfort some of the patients who've come to us with heavy hearts. A few weeks ago, uh, I had the opportunity to speak with one of the patients who came to us. Um, She's dealing with metastatic breast cancer, cancer that has spread to other parts of her body. We'll call her Mary. She told me that her life has been very challenging as of late. She came from New York. She moved to Boston because she wanted to be closer to family and friends. But unfortunately, her husband stayed behind. They have only one daughter, and she used to live with Mary. But her daughter moved away, 30 minutes away from her home, because she couldn't deal with her mother's cancer. While speaking with Mary, I found out that she's a Christian. The woman loves the Lord and is living for Him, even as things look pretty gloomy right now. But the fact that she's a Christian does not prevent her from enduring great suffering, maybe even death. Maybe some of you can relate. You have been walking with the Lord for a while, and all of a sudden, after 20 years, your marriage just breaks apart. It falls apart. Or maybe you're trusting Jesus and looking for for a job but you still can't find one. Some Christians cannot make sense of cases like Mary's. They think that Christians who face terrible suffering either are not real Christians or they have been utterly rejected by God because of their sin. And if rejected, not suitable for ministry. Sometimes we think that God can no longer use us, that we cannot... We cannot be used by God, and we forfeit our God-given responsibilities. Paul was in the midst of a similar situation when he wrote 2 Corinthians. Some of the members of his church did not think that Paul could call himself an apostle and at the same time experience so much suffering in his ministry. Between the writings of First and Second Corinthians— Paul's relationship with the church deteriorated. When he wrote 2 Corinthians, he could speak of his weaknesses and sufferings as the basis for his authority. At that time, Paul was instructing them on how to solve internal problems. But now things have changed. Now the problem is between the apostle and the church. Paul is trying to regain the Corinthians' loyalty from the grasp of the super apostles. They were today's celebrity pastors. They were a group of false teachers who opposed Paul and who argued that having the authority of God was incompatible with Paul's many sufferings. So Paul's ministry of suffering disqualified him to be an apostle. The super apostles have maligned his authority and convinced some in the Corinthian church that they do not have to listen to Paul's message because he lacks authority. They had infiltrated the church and twisted the gospel to their own selfish devices. Paul is arguing throughout this letter, especially in chapters 1 through 7, that his sufferings do not disqualify him for ministry. Rather, Sharing in the sufferings of Christ and depending on him is exactly how God is glorified in his in his life. He knows that if the Corinthians reject his authority, they will also reject the gospel that he preaches that salvation is by grace through faith, and they will embrace the false gospel of the super apostles. We are not told exactly what the what what their teachings were. But we do know that that they thought that being used by God and suffering were incompatible, similar to today's health and wealth gospel. So whatever gospel they were preaching, it wasn't dependent on the sufferings of Christ. Their gospel was disconnected from the cross and thus false and dangerous. In chapters 1-7, through Paul makes a defense of his apostolic ministry. He explains why he changed his plans to visit the Corinthians. Then he goes on to argue that he is competent for ministry. Not because of his own abilities, but because his competence comes from God. God has established him as the minister of the new covenant, which as we have been learning in Hebrews, is superior and more glorious. Than the old covenant. Paul is a minister because God is merciful, and so Paul responds in ministering in integrity as opposed to the super apostles. In our passage today, 2 Corinthians 4 7 to 18, we learn that believers should continue to spread the gospel because the coming resurrection is far greater than our present sufferings. So Christians should continue to share, to preach, to proclaim the gospel, because the coming resurrection is greater than our afflictions. First we learn in verses 7 to 12 that in life and in ministry, we will encounter suffering, sometimes severe. Then in verses 13 through 15, we will see that we can, we can be encouraged by the experience of the righteous. And finally, in verses 16 through 18, we'll see that we do not need to despair. Our first point: in life and in ministry, we will encounter suffering. Look at me uh, with look at, look, at, look with me at verse seven, where we learn about our present condition, our present condition. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul tells us that we have this wonderful treasure, but what is it? To find out, we need to look at the prior context. We need to read verse 6, where we read, God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the treasure is the gospel. God's self-revelation of who he is and what he has done in the per- what he has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ who is the image of, of God those who have seen him have seen the father this gospel is powerful precious and glorious but we are weak we are jars of clay earthen vessels there used to be a potter's quarter in Corinth, where, among other things, small, cheap pottery lamps were made. These earthen vessels were not a thing of beauty. They were common household items. We're not talking about work of art here. They broke easily, and when they did so, no one would bother to try to put them together. They were simply discarded. They were expendable. So there is a great contrast between the treasure and the jar of clay. One is powerful, the other one is weak, fragile. One, is Im- one, one has immeasurable value, while the other one is cheap, inexpensive. One is of utmost importance, the other one is expendable. And this is God's doing. But why would God place his gospel in human vessels, in weak human vessels? According to verse 7, it is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It is his power. So that God would get all the glory, so that everyone would see, so that everyone would know who is its source. It's not human. When people look at us, they should know that it is not our power, but God's power. The gospel, the power of salvation to, the, to everyone who believes, God's gift to sinners. The gospel did not originate with mere humans, but with our creator, God. It was accomplished by our Savior, Jesus, and applied by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, all the glory belongs to God and God alone. As a matter of fact, Paul leaves no doubt about this as he illustrates for us the life of a jar of clay. He lists a series of contrasts that emphasize Paul's weaknesses and God's power to overcome those weaknesses. Verses 8 through 11. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in a mortal flesh. Paul's sufferings are well documented in the book of Acts and in his letters. The Corinthians were acquainted with his hardships. This is why they questioned his authority as an apostle. Paul did not deny or minimize his troubles. He He spoke about them honestly and openly. But notice that although Paul experienced all kinds of affliction, they never triumphed over him. He was never crushed or driven to despair or felt forsaken by God or destroyed by his enemies, for the power of the gospel sustained him. Yet Paul's sufferings were so intense, so difficult, that he described his ministry as always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, and always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. As he puts it in verse 12, death is at work in us. But in him also dwelt this treasure. He housed the gospel, and so the life of Jesus also was manifested in his body. As one commentator puts it, On one hand, he is is daily subjected to forces which lead to death. But on the other, he is continually upheld, caused to triumph, and made to be more than a conqueror by the experience of the recent life of Jesus in his mortal body. It was through through this ministry of suffering, of death, that God shone his light in the life of the Corinthians. Verse 12, death is at work work in us, but life is at work in you. If we are honest with ourselves, we would admit that there are times in our lives when we have felt like our circumstances, our troubles, overwhelm us. Death is at work in us. When pain and disappointment and sorrow seems to be all we experience we tend to forget that we house the light of the gospel. Some of us there is a tendency in some of us to want to run away from God when they go and get tough. It is possible that life is so difficult. It is so hard for some of us right now that you that you almost feel like you just can't go on you wonder if you are if you are of any use to god we lose our hope and confidence in the gospel of jesus you question yourself and you question god's love for you we've tried to serve jesus but it seems we always seem to encounter is trouble trouble in our relationships trouble with our spouse trouble with our children, parents, at work, at school. Like Mary, maybe your, your, your health has just deteriorated, or you're just physically and emotionally exhausted. Maybe you lost your job, or you're just struggling to make ends meet. You wonder if God even cares about you. Like the psalmist, you cry out, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? When the weight of discouragement is upon your shoulders, where should we turn? What should we do? When frail jars of clay are falling apart, how do we go on? Our passage teaches that we can find encouragement that we can be encouraged by the experience of the righteous. We can be encouraged by the experience of the righteous. Verses 13 to 15. Instead of hanging his head and turning his back on his ministry, Paul compares his faith to the faith of the psalmist. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Paul is quoting quoting, Psalm 116, verse 10, where the psalmist was also in the midst of suffering. Like the psalmist, Paul will not give up. He will not quit, but will continue to trust and serve God in spite of his trials and tribulations. We also believe, and so we also speak. By speaking, he means that he will continue to proclaim and to teach God's word. He will allow the treasure to shine and so bring life to those who listen. When we are in pain, when we are suffering, we can find comfort, encouragement in those who have traveled the same painful path we find ourselves in. I have a good friend uh, who a few years ago lost his job. Not to his own fault, but he, because it happens that his employer had to make some cuts. And he was a victim of this. Now, when you are the primary breadwinner of your house, and you know, when you have a family to feed, this can be very stressful. I'm sure some of you know this personally. Either you've gone through this or you're going through this right now. After, as if this wasn't enough, his wife lost her job as well. When I found out, I was in disbelief. My friend and I meet to have breakfast once in a while to catch up and to pray for each other. When he started to tell me how he and his wife were dealing with this challenging time, I could see and feel his faith, his trust in action. I was amazed. If he had been me, I would have been freaking out. But he was cool and collected because he knew God was preparing something better for them. And it happened. Eventually, God gave them their own business. So praise to God for that. That day, I also came with my, to our meeting with my own troubles. But seeing how he was handling his situation, I was greatly encouraged. Just like what Paul is talking about. I found encouragement in the faith and experience of other believers. Notice, however, that Paul's faith is similar to the psalmist, but it is not rooted on the psalmist. The object of his faith is God. The reason why he speaks is because of his confidence in God. Paul knows that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Paul knows the all power for God who's able to do the impossible, the one who can raise the dead. Paul's hope for a future resurrection is the driving force, the reason and the motive to continue living and doing that for which God has called him, to preach the gospel and to shepherd the church of God. The bodily resurrection is an important theme in his writings, one he will come back to in the next section. While the super apostles preached according to selfish motives, Paul's preaching aims to benefit the Corinthians and to glorify God. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace in extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The more people that are saved, the better. This is Paul's calling, and it should also be ours. In the end, God gets the glory. We have learned that in life and in ministry, we will encounter suffering. This is because we are jars of clay. And God has deposited his power in us. We also learn that we can find comfort in the lives of other believers who have experienced suffering like us. So then, what should should be our response? In the midst of, of our afflictions, in the midst of suffering, we do not despair. We do not lose hope. We live for God. Look at verse 16 with me, please. So we do not lose heart. So we do not lose heart. Regardless of all our trials and tribulations, all the opposition, all the threats, all the abuse that we might encounter because we preach and share the gospel with the lost, we do not despair. We don't hang our heads low. It is easy to be timid or or to get discouraged in a society that at times can be very critical of the gospel and critical of Christians, sometimes for good reasons. A society that is becoming more and more antagonistic of the message of salvation and those who want to spread this message. Paul tells us, do not give up, do not lose heart. But why? Why does Paul endure in the face of hardship? And why should we do the same regardless of our difficulties. Why why shouldn't we lose heart? Paul gives us two reasons. The first one, daily inner renewal, verse 16. And the second, the eternal weight of glory at the resurrection, verse 17. First, the daily inner renewal. Paul explains that there is a simultaneous process of Destruction and renewal are taking place in us, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There is much debate as to what exactly Paul means when he says inner and outer self. He' probably referring to his physical body and to his spirit, if so then he's saying that the physical body is decaying. Like jars of clay, it is falling apart. The picture here is of, uh, of rust eating at iron, or of the body of a starving person. As he carries the death of Jesus around, his body is wasting away. On the other hand, because the life of Jesus is also manifested in his, in his body, he shares in Jesus' resurrection. And so there is a continuous renewal of his inner self, his spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul continues to grow in faith and in dependence on God day by day. The second reason why we should not lose heart is because of the lightness of our afflictions and the heaviness of the coming weight of glory. Verses 17 through 18. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they will pass, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul never lets his discouragement destroy him, and neither should we because of the surpassing greatness of the resurrection life that awaits us. As we listen to Paul, we might think that he's being callous or insensitive. We might even ask, light, momentary afflictions? Do you know, where I'm, do you know what I'm going through, Paul? After all, many of us have gone through terrible experiences in our lives, betrayal, many types of abuse. We have experienced great loss, loss of beloved family members and friends, loss of valuable possession materials, you name it. So what does he mean? Paul is not dismissing our pain, our losses, our our tragedies and such, but he speaks as one who has experienced great sufferings. And he considers this light momentary affliction, that is, all the sufferings he has spoken about, not only in this chapter, but also what he has been through as an apostle. And he considers them as light, insignificant, fluff in comparison to the great to the greatness of the resurrection that awaits him and awaits us as well. So this is the reason why Paul doesn't lose heart and why we shouldn't lose heart either. The great resurrection life that awaits us, the eternal weight of glory. The picture here is of, of a weighing scale. On one side, Paul has... His present life in mind, which includes good, even great things, great experiences, but also troubles, afflictions, his pain, his earthly body, that is, his mortal body. That's what he calls it in chapter 5. On the other side is this eternal weight of glory. No troubles, no afflictions, no persecution no pain, a heavenly dwelling that is an immortal body, an eternal reward, glorification, new heavens and new earth, true joy and peace, eternity with God. Life as it is supposed to be. Life as it is supposed to be. That's what he's picturing. And this is what we need to be pictured also as we go through, through our troubles and sufferings today. So what does it look like not to lose heart, to be encouraged, not to give up in the face of our afflictions? We do two things according to this passage. First, we must preach the word regardless of our sufferings. Second, we patiently await for the Lord. So we must preach the word according to our suffer. Uh, we must preach. Our, we must preach the word regardless of our sufferings. A few months ago, a family member was diagnosed with an incurable disease. His prognosis is quite grim. He happens to be a pastor. His disease is affecting his moral skills to the point that he cannot walk too far because of the pain. He could have decided to quit his ministry and stay home. No one would have blamed him for making that decision. But he has not let his sufferings become a liability. Like the Apostle Paul, he has continued to glorify, to glorify God by preaching the gospel and by making a difference in the lives of others, despite his sufferings. He continues to speak and has become a living example of what we're learning today. His body is decaying, but his spirit spirit is being renewed day by day. His sufferings have not become a liability, but, but an opportunity to let the light of the gospel shine through him. Now you might think, I'm not a minister, I don't have the strength, but remember, the power does not belong to us, the power belongs to God. We are just jars of clay that house the power, that house the treasure, so you too can serve God and share his good news with those around you, even in the midst of difficulty. We're all jars of clay. But if you do not know know Christ, you are an empty jar. It is only by believing in Jesus, by trusting in him, that you will find forgiveness for your sins. And then the light of the gospel will dwell in you. Our second application. We patiently await for the Lord. I don't know about you, but Waiting patiently, it's hard for me, especially in difficult times. I can be patient at certain things, but not others. When we are enduring suffering, when we are under stress, it can be very challenging to be patient. But this passage gives us a clue as to how to become more patient as we wait for the Lord. We see. We set our sight and our mind in things eternal. We set our sight and our mind on things eternal. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. We shouldn't ignore our afflictions. We are supposed to be praying for them. And God will either deliver us or will give us his grace to live through them. But our focus, our attention shouldn't be on our afflictions, but on the God who can help us overcome those afflictions as we live day by day trying to please him and do his will. For one day, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the present things will pass away. Our sufferings will pass away. So let us continue spreading the gospel because the resurrection life is far greater than our present sufferings. Let us pray. Father, thank you because you are present in our lives. Thank you because even though we go through suffering, because we are jars of clay, you have placed placed your gospel, your power in our lives, Lord God. Help us continue to depend on you and to follow you faithfully, even in the midst of suffering. May we glorify you day by day, Lord God, as we live for you.